Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I got a dude on today. Y'all are going to love this guy. Got Mr. Daryl Stinson on the show. So hang with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. I want to bring Daryl on. Daryl, welcome to the show. Hola, como estas? Ah, bien. Me too? Si, mas o menos. That's all I know. <laughs> si. This is the moment where you regret bringing me on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, thanks for stopping by. See you later. <laughs> So, so listen, man, I, as we were talking, um, Hey, there's my buddy Glenn from up in Canada. Hey, Hey Glenn. And, and so, um, you know, I created this show about two and a half years ago. I've interviewed over 300 celebrities and entrepreneurs. And, um, it's, you know, it's about, this show is all about helping people get unstuck in life yeah. and, and I, you know, I, I, I'm going to just go out there and say there's been a couple of people gotten stuck here in the last eight months or so. Mm. Um, and so I think that by hearing other people's stories, we, we heal our own wounds, man. So, so, um, I can't wait to hear yours. I know a little about it. I want, I can't wait to know a lot about it. So, um, let's start with where Daryl was born and raised. Jacktown, Michigan, the home of Tony Dungy, and he and I are the only famous people from there. <laughs> Tony Dungy, why do I know his name? Who is that? Oh, famous coach from uh, Indianapolis Colts. Oh, Super Bowl, that's you know, yeah, got yeah, the yeah. powerful dad organization. Yeah, it's my yeah. guy. I got. Are you friends? We are not, but we're going to be. Uh, we know each <laughs> other from a distance. We've heard each other. Uh, he wrote the forward to my friend Frank Murphy's book, and uh, he's fixing to read mine. Nice, nice. So, so you were, and what's the town? What's it called? Ja Jackson, Michigan. It's about an hour and a half west of Detroit, Michigan. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. So, um, what was it like growing up there? Is it a small town? Big town? The small towns, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was a place, you know. I, they say I grew up in the uh, inner city, south side of Jackson. Uh, you know, uh, poor. I didn't know I was poor until I visited my friend's house in the suburbs, and I said, "Oh man, they've got a couch. <laughs> <laughs> they got a couch. They got a couch." And I was singing "Kumbaya" on the floor, man, and everybody hung out in my bedroom because that was our only furniture we had. So. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, but it, it was great. Uh, lots of black people, lots of white people, uh, not, not a lot of anything else. Uh, two public high schools, Lumen Christi, uh, which was really a, a Christian private school, but they were the other one. Uh, you either went to Lumen Christi or you went to Jackson high, which is where I went from probably was a middle school when Tony Dungy was there. So it, it was, you know, it's kind of like a smaller Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and so you went, you went, you went to high school there. You went the whole, you know, well, we'll get, we'll get into that. I'm not going to ask that yet, but so, so did you end up going to college? I did. Thank God I went to college. I got out. That was my ticket out. You know, growing up in Jackson, um, from the inner cir circle community, you know, we get our beliefs from who we hang around. So yep. the the common belief around my circle was in order to be a minority uh, and be successful, you either had to be a rapper or an athlete. So I said, I'm going to do both. <laughs> Whichever one pans out. It just so happened that my <laughs> athletic ability was a lot better than my ability to rhyme. So uh, I did get a full right scholarship to play football and basketball at Central Michigan University, where we, we won a uh, MAC championship. And people might not like this part. I played for, hey, what's going on, Tammy? Uh, I played for uh, 
uh, Butch Jones. Uh, he was the one who recruited me. He's at uh, Alabama right now, some offensive controller role or something like that. And sports was just really my ticket out of the hood, out of uh, you know my circumstances. Is the way I was going to be the hero. I was going to buy my mom a house, my dad a car, get my whole family out of poverty, be famous. Yeah. I wanted to be the best athlete of all time. And I always make that distinction because some athletes just want to go pro. I yeah. wanted to be better. I wanted to be like Daryl Stinson will replace the name of Michael Jordan. I, I promise you I thought it was going to happen. You couldn't tell me any wow. different. I visualized it. I worked my butt off for it. I was 6'5". I got up to 270 pounds. I ran a 4'5 or 4'6 or 4'4, depending on who's timing. And I thought <laughs> I was going, man. I thought I was going. And wow. then just like this pandemic hit our world unexpectedly, I got hit with a back injury. I oh. ruptured a disc in my back trying to impress the upperclassmen with how much I could squat. Oh. And I went with a pinched nerve in my back for months because I didn't know the difference between being hurt and being injured. And when your identity is attached to your activity, you'll do stupid things. And so I did stupid things. I had a back surgery. I was supposed to focus on my education and I, you know, get to come around football whenever I want. I had a golden opportunity. But since sports was what I did mm. and who I was, not just what I did, I did stupid things. I signed a liability waiver and I oh. begged the coaches to let me have another shot at playing football. And eventually I convinced them. And the best way I know how to describe this is this, my friend Ken. And all our listeners <laughs> is I was supposed to be non-physical contact for a year mm. and I was back starting within six months because me playing hurt was better than the next guy fully healthy. Wow. And that 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 began this long journey of putting my body through uh, drug addiction to painkillers and all this stuff, man, epidural shots in my back. Like uh, I was getting nerve killings, acupuncture, physical therapy, anything that I could do to numb that pain to continue to play that game. Because if I was that, get was it, was it lower back L4, L5? There you go. That's my, that's the one. I, dude, I've been there, man. Yeah. Had you too? Nerve against my spinal cord. Dude, there's no pain like it. You can't, I've been, stabbed and yeah. it doesn't feel the same yeah yeah <laughs> it's painful painful and it it's hurts painful. everything especially when it shoots down your legs i mean oh it was terrible man I, I had to sleep there was a window pane next to my dorm bedroom and uh it was about right here and i had to put my leg propped up like this yeah. oh so yeah. just so i could relieve the tension of the nerve being pinched for long enough to get some rest and try to sleep for a few hours. And Dude, I would get up and go to practice and do it all over again. People don't even know, man. Yeah. Like I would put that right up against giving birth to a child. <laughs> I'm I, I would not tell my wife that just in case she's listening. I do not agree with that, sweetie. <laughs> Off the record, you're probably right, though. <laughs> I, I, dude, I laid in bed for 21 hours straight screaming like a little girl, man. Yeah. And my wife, who does not swear, she walked in finally and she said, you're going to the Blanken ER yep. or I'm calling the Blanken police and having you removed from this house. See, that's what we have in common, man. I I, I didn't know. When I, when, I, when I finally got my MRI... I had to have emergency back surgery. That's how long I went with it being hurt. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. So crazy. Yeah. Crazy, You're right. Man. Back pain is horrendous. You guys are yeah. exactly right. So, so, so you, um, so you, you injured your back showing off. <laughs> I feel, I feel a theme coming on here, Daryl. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so, um, so you 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 injured your back and and went through all that. How long did that last? About a year or so before before I came back to play. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so when I injured it, it probably I went uh, winter workouts and summer workouts. Uh, so it was about about six months, and then had the surgery, and I was back within uh, two months. Uh, competing and then i earned a starting position within six so Jeez. i didn't even sit on an entire season before i was uh starting oh my gosh man. yeah it's crazy dude that's insane yeah you're a beast so so um 
and how long did you play then after you you got into that? I played for two years and With probably an injured back. Injured back, and Come you can watch on. the film, and it looks it looks terrible. I mean, I'm athletic, so I'm chasing down running backs and I'm making some plays, but you can tell I'm I'm in pain, man. You can see me catching instead of like <sighs> throwing my weight around. You could see me limping because of the tension still in my back, but it, it was all because I just had to make. It. I just had to make it. If I could just numb it a little bit more, numb it a little bit more. If I could just get that opportunity, they'll see how fast I am. They'll see how strong I am, and I'll make that opportunity, and then I'll be able to pay some like rare doctor to like heal me and then everything will be all right and it just wow. just didn't work out that way wow man you really had that you you, you had the you had the vision yeah <laughs> for sure yeah. so so um what happened after that well uh it started not to work um you know uh all of my games my gimmicks my lying to the athletic director started to catch up with me um my addiction was getting really bad to the opioid pills because i was taking so many um that uh, it was thinning my blood to the point where every time i made contact on the field my nose would bleed oh, my dude. uh trainers and my coaches said man something's not right man he's having nosebleeds every practice and games and we got to take him out and, and so something's not right so they just said look going into my senior year, they were like we don't know what you're doing bro but we can't let this continue and they kicked me off the team and I got pissed. <laughs> I've got so frustrated. I stormed out. I probably knocked over some equipment in the uh, weight room. And I just said, man, you guys quit on me. See, that's all you care about is you want me when I'm healthy. You don't want to help me. And I, I was blaming everybody but myself. And um, I knew they were right deep down inside. And, 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 and then I had to face this dark thing that we call depression uh, because I had to face the reality that I had cheated my way through college. Um, mm -hmm. I had the right degree, but I didn't have the right experience. I wasn't prepared for the workforce. I didn't know who I was outside of sports. Um, I didn't want to do anything else besides play sports. So when people were like, find your passion, I'm like, dude, hello, my passion was sports. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't do that. And, and, and it was really, it was really frustrating. And um, at the same time, I had a girlfriend who I was dating for four and a half years. She's my high school sweetheart. I was playing in the Marrier and I called her to confide in her and tell her, man, I'm really struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression. And she started talking to me like a, like a kid. She's like, mm. well, that's okay, Daryl. You know, it's okay. And I'm like, What's going on? Why are you talking to me like that? Like, yeah. baby, honey, sweetie, like, what's going on? She wasn't saying it. Well, come to find out, she had uh, gotten engaged uh, to another guy. And uh, that was it for me, man. Uh, mm. Girl was gone. Sports was gone. I'm like, there's no reason for me to continue. Um, then I had the the real transition uh, challenges to deal with. And I talk about it in that book, Who Am I After Sports? Because I went from feeling like, on top of the world to feeling like a nobody, you know, I could, I couldn't, uh, you, you, when you're an athlete, you have all these people asking for autographs, media wanting to feature you for interviews. You've got coaches who call and checking on you, players camaraderie, and then you transition out of sports and it's like silence. And so uh, that just yeah. played on my insecurity. And I was like, man, you know what? I don't matter without sports. And so if sports is never coming back. Then what's the point of me being here? And that began this train of suicide ideations. And I uh, started playing around with suicide, mixing pills and alcohol, um, swallowing all of my uh, oxycodones that I had, hoping that I wouldn't wake up the next day. And you I, did this on purpose? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't want to – I had no desire to keep going anymore. Yeah. I was hopeless, and I thought I was helpless. I, you know, man, we just met and we, <laughs> so we don't really know each other, but I can totally relate, man. I, I have 18 years of sobriety. I'm, I'm a recovered alcoholic and That's I spent awesome. many, many, many years trying to drink myself to death. Wow. Let uh, me show you something. Watch this. This is random, but I know you're, you're, you can roll with the punches. Watch this. I can you. roll. Let me show you something. I can roll. All right. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. You're you're full screen. All right, look at this. Can you read that? Uh, oh, look wait, at wait. that. Yeah, I can see that. I gotta I gotta hide the information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on. There we go. There we go. Can you see uh, that? Oh, look at that. Look at this. Wow. What? Look at that. Yesterday. Addiction recovery. That's yesterday. Yesterday, the the new people that came to visit our program. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah, we wow. have uh, 12 different partners throughout Gwinnett County help a lot of people recover from addiction. Yeah. Dude, that I, I you just gave me chills, man. You just yeah. gave me chills. That's 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 incredible. Yeah. And you know what and I told here, them? You know what I told them yesterday? Here's, here's my uh Oh god, yes. Yeah, we give those away. 18 years, man. Yeah. Yeah, I would grab that too, but it's in the other room. By the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah, and so man, you know, and I'm so glad um, and you know what? I'm gonna share this because I shared it to my time. I'm, we have a little private Facebook group. I'm sharing it in there too, so they can see that. Because I literally just told them yesterday, right? I just told them yesterday. Uh, you guys are going to be able to reach people that others can't because you you can relate. You've been through the real deal, man. Yep. And uh, you'll have a level of humility and transparency and vulnerability because, dude, if you can deal with addiction to drugs and go through sobriety and go about anything <laughs> and so oh uh I, I told them man i, I told them and you and you're an exactly a, a a great story um to share with them and i didn't even know that about you and, no, you and look at that so i just told them that well now now i'm working that into my story man so I, your name's coming up like every every wednesday now <laughs> dude you can bring it up every day man I, my anonymity is i don't care i don't like i i don't Anybody wants to judge me, man, come on, bring it up. Well, on it's not who you mind. are anymore, right? No, if anything, it, it, it speaks more highly of you because you went through that and now look at what you've done with your life, man. Yeah. And, and yeah. oh God, dude, don't you're gonna get me dude, excited so, now. So you're you're six five. Yeah, I am. So if I stood you're, up, you're you're a little feller. <laughs> I like to think so. People, you know what? I used to get so mad when people would walk around and look at me like I'm just like nine foot twelve or something. They're like, hey. I'm like, man, I am not that tall, you know. Right. And then, and then I walked past somebody who was seven foot six, and I was like, oh man, I was like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> wow. That's so crazy. airplanes are not my best friend. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> my, you know, my little brother's six five and a half, so. I, I well, and I'm only six foot, so there was this Jeez. this point in our our childhood where he started whooping on me. Oh, so, man. yeah, but so so um, so you you were toying around with this this thought of suicide, yeah. and you were you were um, taking some pills and 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 drinking and <clears throat> trying to end it. Where did things go? Uh, I was driving 75 miles per hour down a 35 mile per hour road. And wow. my plan was to drive off onto this intersecting highway, kind of this little pasture where you could uh, not go over the bridge, but you can drive onto the highway that was under it. And that is how I was going to officially end it all. My phone mm. was on silent, but something inside of me said, pick up your phone. And I saw that my mother was calling me and mother had that intuition uh, that something mm. went wrong with her baby boy. And so she called me and I picked up the phone. I said, hello. She said, I don't know what's wrong, sweetie, but come to me, please. I was in Mount Pleasant, Michigan at the time, which was about two and a half hours away from Detroit. I drove. Uh, she convinced me to drive to Detroit. So I drove two and a half hours and it felt like 10 minutes. I was crying the whole time, wow. fight, fighting the urge not to drive onto oncoming traffic. And I get there and she tries to get me to eat. I had been trying to starve myself to death. Um, um, wow. she, last time she saw me, uh, I was 275 pounds. By the time I got to her, I was 219 from trying to starve wow. myself to death. So she tries to get me to eat. I think I maybe was managed to get down some soup. Uh, and then when she went to bed, I was like, no, forget this. This is stupid. I don't want to deal with this pain anymore. So I tried to go get in the car to, to go back and finish my plan. And she heard the, the screen door shut. She runs out there. She throws herself on the hood of my car. She says, let me take you to get help. please." Wow. She takes me to the psychiatric unit. And it was in wow. the psychiatric unit that I, I found something dangerous to the darkness of depression. You know what it is? hope <laughs> yeah and yeah. i found yeah. hope in a psychiatric unit that my life actually might have purpose beyond sports that maybe god can take my pain and use it 
to help others. Maybe my story can help. Maybe my life matters. Maybe I matter. And uh, I live to tell the story. Wow. Wow. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. Yeah. So, so, um, is this too much for 11 o'clock in the morning or nine? Wherever yeah, you're man, I feel like I need some more coffee now. Uh, <laughs> so, hey. so, so you, um, God, I, I can relate to all, I can remember being in, in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and there, there, there was always a sign laying on the floor in the middle of the room and it said, hope is found here. And I, I mean, dude, I was, I was really twisted. So I thought, I thought hope was some chick I was going to meet. <laughs> hey, that brings hope sometimes too, don't it? <laughs> I was like, where's hope, man? I can't find her. But so I just kept going back looking. <laughs> And, and, but you know, no, I, I, I'm, I'm kidding kind of, but like, like, you know what? So you found this in this, this psychiatric unit of a hospital. Um, and, and so where did you go from there? I mean, that, that did, it didn't all, it was, it wasn't like it all changed instantly overnight. And the next day you were on on my wife's, my wife's on here. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, See, you tried to get me in trouble with the wife, man. See, he's got to learn. He's going to learn some lessons. So, 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 um, so. She said, Miss Hope. Joe's fault. Joe's fault. fault. So, so you, you, um, I mean, what happened from there? Where did you, 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 how long were you there? And, and how did you transition back into life? So I, I I really okay. I'm gonna say this, but do not sue the place that I went to. I was supposed to be there for a minimum of three to five days. Anytime you attempt, uh, uh, that was the law back then, and I think it's three now, but it's three to five. And um, I I did change instantly. Um, I had a faith conversion in a psychiatric unit, and uh, it's <laughs> it's a it's an interesting story. Uh, but uh, I was there for less than 24 hours. Um, now, the whole story about being there was crazy. Like, I got hustled for money. I I literally watched people get shot up with drugs. I mean, the place was just terrible. Wow. Um, I, I, I heard people scream all through the night. Like, it was, it was a really traumatic experience. I, I kind of don't let my mind go there too much, but... Um, I was out within 24 hours. Um, wow. and then, and then I go to this church service and, and the next day they're talking about suicide. I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So this is supposed to happen. And, um, so anyways, wow. um, my life, I, I literally, I was a, I was a new person. I had new desires, difference, like everything was different about me when I had that hope. Um, but it did take some time, uh, to figure out what is my purpose beyond sports? What do I want to do with my life? Uh, who am I called to impact? What skills am I going to develop? And so it took some time for that. Um, it took about five years of deep re- reflection and research. And, and, you know, that's why I wrote the book, because what took me five years to learn, I packaged in here in our Athletes Transition Roadmap. Uh, who am how to I dis- after sports? Who am I after show, sports? Show the book. Show the, the whole thing. There you see, go. See, see, see. Who am see I that? after sports? nice dude yeah man yeah yeah so you guys should go get it help me uh pass tom brady on the rankings that would make me and ken very very happy let's <laughs> let's do it let's do it go get that book come on yeah, yeah and go if you guys go to the website second chance we've got some cool bonuses uh exclusive interview with me and david Meltzer. it's probably one of his best ones he's done uh we've got uh the first five lessons of my purpose made profitable course we've got uh, the ebook format and all of these interviews that I've been doing with some of these experts during my book launch. So it's, it's a lot of good content. So I'll trade you a couple of hundred bucks for 15 or 20 bucks for the book. So, uh, wow. yeah. And you help us get the message of mental health to athletes who need it. And, um, I always say this, you know, uh, we cheer for people, um, um, during the game, we wear their jerseys, let's cheer for them after the game. 
So it took me about five years to self-reflect, reading everybody's courses, listening to influencers like yourself, talk about purpose and meaning. I mean, I, I bought everybody's stuff, read everybody's thing, went on week-long experiences. I prayed like a monk. <laughs> you know, like trying to figure out, yeah, man, like trying to figure out what this thing is. I lived in the library. And then finally, I got to this place in life where I was like, you know what? If somebody offered me a multi-million dollar professional sports contract today, I wouldn't take it because I loved my life that much. And I said, I noticed that that was not an experience that a lot of people were having. <laughs> my peers were like still talking about their sports days as if it was their glory days. And you yeah. know, those guys and those girls, cause they go from running to four, nine to four, eight to four, seven. Next thing you know, they were the <laughs> fastest person in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they went from being all conference to all world and, you know, because their identity <laughs> is still attached to it, man. And they're talking about it as if it happened yesterday. And it's like 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? They're still yeah. bragging about it as if they're it. Um, and that's just because to them in their mind, their best days are behind them and not in front of them. And I said, man, this is crazy. You know, I said, yeah. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan, your best days are always ahead of you because you take everything you were yesterday and everything you learned today into tomorrow. And so uh, I started to wow. share my message and my story with other people. And uh, a lot of people were getting inspired. Oh, my gosh, this was amazing. I really loved it. But they weren't leaving transformed. They were coming up to me saying, man, you know what? I've, I've had some mental health challenges, too. I struggle with addiction, too, man. And I would be like, man, thanks for sharing that with me. See you later. <laughs> so yeah. second chance athletes became a vehicle to which we could actually provide additional support services around those people. Um, when I would go and, and inspire with people with my message, second chance athletes could provide ongoing support for whatever it is they were trying to accomplish in life and career and business. And so, man, that's, that's, that's what we are. And uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful uh, because I get to cross paths with some of the most amazing people like you and I get to do addiction recovery work. And I, I, I tell this, man, I, I see people fresh out of addiction and, and, and bondage and, and, and some of these stories, I mean, if I read you some of those applications, man, you'd see it, man, physically abused when they were younger, taking advantage of just horrible, man, like this, you know, the one I say, once the top three things you want in life, somebody just said, I want hope. Like to have hope be a want. It's just like yeah. you're, you've been through so much in your life. You don't have hope. But then I've talked to people like you and David Meltzer and Michelle Patterson and Jack Canfield who endorsed my book. And it's like my life is amazing. And I can't believe Ken, that I tried to end it. Yeah. And I always tell yeah. people, you don't know what's on the other side of your pain. You have no clue what's on the other side of this pandemic. Don't you quit when it gets hard because you feel low because some people hurt you or because you made some mistakes because it ain't over till it's over, baby. And can I tell it. you, as somebody who's lived the life that I tried to end, your life matters and you matter. Hang in there, my friend. We'll keep pushing. Dude. Yeah. That's that's powerful. I know. I'm fired up, man. You got me riled up. You got me hyped Dude. up, man. It's you, you know, or the what's coffee. Got, what's what's got you riled up is 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 your you um you came out on the other side of that and man I don't I don't care what you believe I don't and I'm not talking to you I'm talking to everybody yeah. Yeah. I don't care if you believe that that uh, that God is is the universe or God mm -hmm. is Jesus or God is Buddha or God is whatever to you once you go through all of that. And you come out on the other side and you're like, you look back and you're like, damn, <laughs> I, I can't believe I even, I like, I made it yeah. like what? Yeah. And, and you just feel awake and you're like, it, so, and here's Nicole Young. Nicole celebrates 23 years of sobriety this month. She's a friend of mine. Like wow. it's, 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 it's amazing, man. I have, I, and I'm not, we're, we're going to sell your book, but I wrote a book a few years ago and the subtitle of it is turning pain into profit. Right. So are you serious? Like, yes. Yeah. Dude, what do you know? That's on my, uh, my featured photo. It is. Yes. I have. Cause my, my TEDx talk was overcoming rejection. Right. And I was telling yeah. people that you could turn rejection into revenue. And, you yeah. know, it was it was doing pretty well. My little PDFs, my coaching program. And then I was like, maybe some people can't relate to rejection, but we all can relate to pain. And so yeah. then I changed it to change pain into profit. <laughs> so, dude, I swear, look, I'll show, here's my book, dude. Look at that. Look at that, man. Look at that. See? Right? 
See? See? Turning page. Dude, because once you learn, once you learn how to once you learn how to accept that that there's gonna you're gonna have pain in life, man. The Buddhists have a saying, and I it's one of my favorite sayings, and that is in life, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Mm. We don't have to, we don't have to suffer, man. It's all going on right there. And so once you get through all that and you come out on the other side, and you're like, I can't even believe, like that's what gets us fired up when we're talking to people about this, because it's like it's real. You know yeah. there's hope. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hope is and hey, I'm sure you felt this. If there's hope for me, right? It's it's available hope to anybody, anybody. Trust me. Because but but people, this is why I'm transparent about my story, Ken. And I know this is why you are too, because people will look at us now and they'll go, Well, of course, your gift, your talent, you got platform, you got books, you know people. And I'm like, <laughs> this is like chapter. <laughs> This is chapter nine. You go see chapter one. Go see chapter one when I was writing my suicide. Like go see chapter one where I was treating women like they were disposable. Go see chapter one when yeah. I had such a big ego that life was all about me and I didn't care yeah. for people. And go read that chapter. Go watch me deal with low self-esteem and insecurities. You think I can speak? Go watch the time where they used to do icebreakers, Ken, and I used to leave the room. Because I was so insecure about my voice. Go listen to thoughts in my head that used to hate how dark I was. And every time someone turned off the lights, they'd say, where'd Daryl go? All he can see is his teeth. Go look at go look at me when I was so insecure to smile because people would say, look at this gap. See how big this gap is, you know, and they would they would they, they would make those paper field goals uh with uh, uh with paper and they would roll it up paper footballs and they would say, Dear, open open wide, let me kick a field goal through your teeth. Wow. And then I didn't even want to smile, but now my smile is unique. See that it catches your attention, so it might not be good for a Colgate commercial, but it sure does serve well for a scroll stopper on Instagram. So whatever is wrong with me, it was my pain, Ken, and wow, I turned it into dude. profit. I turned the smile into a brand. Wow. Dude, that's so powerful. So yeah. so you 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 did have a transformation. Absolutely. In that day, that 24-hour period. <clears throat> excuse me. And the next day you said you went to church yeah. and they were talking about suicide. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How long had it been since you'd been to a church? I had I had went uh not to like a couple months before then. Uh, but if you take out that couple months that I was going before the attempt, uh it was sure twelve years, fifteen years. It was a long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I so was I was happened? agnostic. I wasn't really uh I didn't do organized religion. Were you uh was did is that so talk about when you went to church, what happened? Well, well, so, okay, since we're there, I'll just, I'll finish the part of the story, right? So I'm in the psychiatric unit and uh, the doctors are asking me the question that they have to when they admit you, um, you know, why did you want to kill yourself? What made you want to take your life? And I'm just crying and screaming, leave me alone. I just want to die. And uh, they couldn't get an answer uh, out of me and they uh, left. And there was this nurse, I call her the woman with green pants, because at that point I had been crying for so long that my eyes were swollen shut. And all I could do was open them up just a little bit. And I saw that this nurse came in, she had on green pants. She grabbed me, she wrapped me in her arms and she said, I don't even have jurisdiction to be back here in this part of the hospital. And I don't even know who you are, but God sent me back here to tell you that you need to say yes to him. Wow. And I was like, say yes. Like, I don't, that's not going to heal my back. That's not going to do anything for me. I'm not with the religious stuff. Get this lady away from me. And I just kept screaming, leave me alone. I just want to die. She left. She actually prayed for me for about 15 minutes. My mother said it felt like five. Uh, she left. And a few moments later, my grandmother, who's uh, one of those church going, pinch your ear, make you go to church, grandma. Uh, she cooked Sunday dinner, grandma. She had driven from an hour and a half away from Jackson to Detroit, where I was at in the psychiatric unit. Cause my mom had called her when she was driving me there and she had sped there. She's out of breath. Cause she ran through the hospital. She said, Daryl, I've been praying for you the whole way here. God told me, you know, exactly what to do. You need to say yes. 
to him. Oh my God, dude. So it's the same request a second time. And I couldn't deny that it was God's way of trying to reach to me. But uh, grandma was a religious person. She was supposed to say something religious. And so I said, leave me alone. I just want to die. And my grandma prayed for me for about five minutes. And finally, I just heard this still small voice whisper to me and say, son, will you say yes? And it was something about hearing my heavenly father's voice, our heavenly father's voice that gave me the strength to mutter out a Yes, Lord. And the moment that I said, yes, Ken, I promise you, the depression that I was under for years immediately left the room. Now, this might sound hard to believe, but there was witnesses there. My family was there. My eyes actually got healed and I could open them again. And it felt so good, Ken. You know what I did? I kept screaming. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because I felt so free. I was like a lion out of a cage. My goosebumps have goosebumps right now. You want to know what happened next? Doctor yeah, comes. No, doctor, no, doctor, boring. <laughs> the doctor comes in the room. Uh, he goes, "What's going on?" Like, because he hears this guy screaming, and I and I, I kid you not, word for word, I said, "I was running from God, and I just put my faith in Him." <laughs> you know what he said? He said, "Send this guy upstairs." <laughs> Wow. Hey, hey, so it makes a good story now, but it got me an extra day. And <laughs> he said, this guy is crazy, man. But it was true. It was true, man. And, and I went wow. and I went there and uh, and uh, I saw the pain of people in the psychiatric unit. And, and the place was terrible that I went to. I know there's better care facilities out there, but the one I went to was terrible. They put me in this this room. And I don't usually tell this part of the story, so your audience gets something special. But they put me in this room with all these people, and we were supposed to have mental health time with yourself. And they got this black and white uh, old television show playing. It wasn't funny. Uh, it wasn't like it wasn't like Gilligan's Island or something. It was like something that nobody even watched. And then and and then they they gave me a coloring sheet with like three crayon choices. And there's people all around you. And so, you know me, I'm like, dude, I'm not about to color. I'm like trying to talk to somebody. So I try to talk to the um, nurse. And and I don't know if you guys ever seen Shutter Island where like like he thinks he 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 knows he's sane, but like everyone thinks he's crazy. That's what it felt like. Like everyone there thought I was like like multiple personality disorder or schizo. So they they weren't talking to me. So I'm like, no, man, you got to understand, like, I'm, I'm a former athlete, you know, I'm a college student, you know, I just was going through some rough time. I was running from God. I said, yeah. And they were like, okay, sir. <laughs> okay. I'm like, no, like, please like talk to me, please. And then, so I tried to talk to some of the people that are around me and then they, they were freaking out, man. Like, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to be sensitive to people's issues. So I'm not trying to make fun of this, but this was really happening to me. Like I was talking to this one girl and I was like, Hey man, you know where you're from? And she was like, yeah. And she was like, what? I will eat you. I was like, what is going on like oh my god right and then then this one girl asked me for money because she wanted to call her uh her uh her loved one or whatever i was like oh sure and i gave her money she went and bought snacks with it (laughs) (laughs) so this place was crazy man and and i I kid you not within a period of 30 minutes ken i was the only one left in the room with the nurses everybody else had a breakdown had to get more meds got shot up had to go to the room like crazy and i was like oh god i'm gonna go crazy in this place and then it hit me this place is meant to drive you crazy to see if you're crazy wow and so i i caught the game and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna keep my cool hanging there and i just said please god do not put me next to someone where i'm gonna be scared because i haven't slept in days and i was like i need wow. sleep and i was like put me please don't put me next to somebody that that you know, I'm worried they're going to like get up and stab me in the middle of the night or something. Right. And um, I got the only roommate that was in there for, you know, something that was, you know, he was in there for PS, uh, PSTD, PTSD, sorry, PTSD. Yeah. And uh, man, this guy was great. And he, he said something that that really changed my life. And I take this with me. So we're, we're, we're laying in the, you know, we got the curtain divider, you know, and we're in the same little room and, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm just trying to figure out why God has me here, you know, cause I, I, I don't really know. And, and trying to figure out who I can help. I'm trying to talk to people and he goes, Hey man, has it ever occurred to you that maybe you're here for you? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he said that and I took inventory and I said, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? And, and then I started to see the pain of people around me and, 
And it was like the first time in my life, honestly, that I saw who I could help instead of how I could be praised. Mm. As an athlete, wow. it's all about my accolades, my success, being the next Michael Jordan. And I looked around yeah. and I said, man, if these people know that there's there's hope and there's purpose for them, man, I mean, I wonder if I share this story as an, as an athlete who won a championship, who played with some of the best players in the world, that I had mental health struggles, that I was labeled and am labeled clinically depressed, I can change lives. Yeah. First time it occurred to me. And uh, that began this journey of where we are today, my friend. Dude, how long ago was that? 2011. Wow. Yeah. So nine, nine years ago. Wow. And so what have you, um, what have you done since then? <laughs> Uh, too much. You know, I worked at Central Michigan University. My degree is in integrated public relations. We helped rebrand the university. We won a couple of awards for higher education marketing. I branched out on my own, did marketing consulting for a while. Uh, then I started doing donor development for United Way. I pastored and revitalized the church from completely nothing, not even expecting visitors to thriving and multi-generations there. I, I moved from uh, Michigan to Georgia and uh, started Second Chance Athletes, a holistic uh, transition company that helps athletes follow our transition roadmap that helped me go from suicide to success. I speak, TEDx speaker, obviously published author and uh, married uh, a wife that's way smarter than me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. Dude. She's a smarty pants. She's got her master's degree in organizational uh, leadership and administration. Um <clears throat> I got. I have three beautiful daughters, and not just beautiful, but they're talented, man. Uh, and I, I recorded a song called "We All Need Hope" with my daughter from uh, my thirtieth birthday. Uh, wow. That was cool. Um, somebody I always get. What would you tell your younger self? You know, and, and I was like, man. Uh, <laughs> every time we say that, we say stuff that we only could understand as adults. And I was like, if I, what would I tell a kid? And so I put it in a song. And we, we call it We All Need Hope. And and so we, that's out there. It's for free. So I'm not selling Where, it. Where is it on YouTube? It's everywhere, man. YouTube. Uh, it's probably. Come on, yeah, man. I, man. For yeah. real? Yeah, it's out there, man. It's called hold, We All Need on. Hope. Hold on. I'm, not, I'm looking it up. <laughs> I'm, we're going to play it. it. That's fine with me, man. That's fine with me. We All Need is Hope. Is it under your name? It should be. Yeah. We All Need Hope. Daryl Stinton. I've got a friend that's on there, too. Uh, uh, so, is yeah. it copyrighted? No, man, it's completely. Is it no? It's completely free, man. Uh, we all need hope. Featuring yeah. Daryl Stinson, yep. Ava, and Mr. Yep. Cool Life Living. That's that's us. That is us, dude. All right. So before before I before I play it, yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna ask the audience to drop a one in the comments if they want if they want me to play this right now live. <laughs> You got to drop a one. Otherwise, you can just go look it up later. So, um, so Daryl, you um, you have yeah, Tammy saying, yes, Ken, <laughs> Garrett, your screen. <laughs> so I think we're going to end up playing it for everybody. Is it a, is it a video or just the song? It just the song. Like Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a cool yeah. graphic though. They get to stare at my face if they want to. Everybody, everybody's saying saying one. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do it, man. We're gonna do it. Let's Can do you it. see the you see the comps? Yeah, I see some of them. The ones that are okay. on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, no, in, in StreamYard, you can click the comments. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. I see Justin and Danny and Tammy and Scott and yeah. Charles and Nicole. That too many ones. That's not one. Yeah. That's like one billion and something. <laughs> 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 Doesn't a lot count. of ones. So here is this it right here? Yeah, All right, here we here we go. Let's 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 do this. Let's do it. This is for every kid out there who's struggling with depression. You feel like your problems is too dark and you don't know how you're gonna make it through. I'm here to tell you that. Kids who don't know, all they gotta do 
Your faith don't let nobody shake it and if they talk about your clothes don't even let it face you and if they talk about your looks don't even pay attention you ain't gotta listen they entitled to their own opinion here's what i discovered it's the people who talk bad about everybody else do it to feel better about themselves so just be you and don't you worry about a thing the storm's gonna come but dance in the rain keep your head up because life will try to push you down every smile is just a frown turn upside down so count your blessings you got the power to turn every loss into a lesson so quit stressing because bad days don't mean that you got a bad life and sad days don't mean that you got a sad life bad days don't mean that you got a bad life because you still got hope you know we all need hope this is for the kids that don't know all we gotta do is hold on you know we all need hope this is for the kids that don't know all we gotta do is hold on you know we all need hope this is for the kids is overrated everybody trying to be like everybody man that stuff is foolish just be you and own your differences you still a gifted kid even though you got flaws and got weaknesses so dream big and don't let nobody tell you what you can and you can't do because uh, you keep trying to be like everybody else and i'm telling you that ain't you that ain't you you were meant for more greatness is within you tell your haters that bullying and success is on the same menu you don't need what you don't have for god to bless you no money no dad around you still can be successful forget being popular and being cool newsflash that's not why you're going to school you're there to learn and make your dreams come true just remember i believe in you Kicking knowledge on the daily, they say I'm a cool teacher. Kicking it with the class while rocking some cool stickers. Not blasting them dual speakers, just speaking to you basically. The only way you learn is if I teach you to you wait and see. Wait and see. Dreams become real with purpose in the pain. That's healing in the feeling. Dancing in the rain, the situation that you deal with. Lion size problems don't run, but now you're killing. Now that's 10 feet deep. Be cool and be you, so remain unique. Maintain your passion and your path, then take that leap. And if they hating on your plan, tell them where you're going. You know freaking awesome man <laughs> thank you wow that is so awesome that was your daughter, daughter on there man. too she, when she was five Dude. i know <laughs> i'm so proud of her that favorite part at the end i i literally told her i was like man this needs something else at the end i said sweetie what would you say to your friends if they're having a real hard time she said are you okay i don't want you to be sad it's okay we still wow and i'm like perfect <laughs> dude you're bringing tears to my eyes yeah. what's up with that that's that's yeah. amazing wow it, it brings tears to my eyes too because you, you got to think this is my five-year-old daughter and if we all go back and start thinking when stuff started getting jacked up for us it probably when we were younger you know when you sit at a lunch table and and nobody sits by you and you, you feel left out you start to wonder am i enough to be liked or loved by others and for me it was when you know i was made fun of for being a black guy that quote unquote talked and acted white and uh to to be able to create a sense of security in my daughter at an age where i lost my security was surreal for me wow dude i i i have i've never had chills so much in any interview man this has been incredible mm. so so yeah nicole i i agree i agree um 
Yeah, we will. Uh, hope tour. Um, you see the graphics, so we're gonna go on a hope tour, uh, uh, and and do a keynote and a, a rally for the students. And uh, it, it, you know, it's, we know what's really cool is we released the song, and I did it. Um, and my wife got me studio time just as a gift for my thirtieth birthday, and so um, I did it like not even really wanting to promote it or anything like that. And since we recorded in the studio, I was like, might as well put it out there for the world. So we put it out there. And, man, I had adults <laughs> calling me like, oh, man, I'm listening to this with my family. Like, we needed this. This was this was helpful. I mean, the the, the truths there are timeless. And so, yeah, wow. absolutely. We're, we, we'll go. We'll go share it with whoever it can help. Wow, dude. So, so um, <clears throat> I don't even know what to ask next. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so, uh, yeah, you know, I always, I always like to ask this, um, a couple, well, let me ask the, the question I was going to ask you earlier, yeah. you know, as kids, because I truly do believe what you just said, and I bring this up quite often on the show, um, you know, there's, there's always some, it could be an event, yeah, a person, yeah, something that kind of molds us into what we become as adults. Mm -hmm. When I say that to you, what, what comes to mind? Was there an event or a person that kind of pushed you in the direction of what you ended up becoming as an adult? Yeah. Um, many people, uh, they say it takes a tribe or a village yeah. to raise a child. And I was definitely raised by a village. Um, you know, uh, my, my mom, my grandma, my aunts, my uncles, my father, my stepmom, you know, uh, uh, my stepdad. I mean, all of them played a role. Uh, all of them helped. I, I probably stayed. I stayed with my mom, my dad, my grandma, my friends, <laughs> you know, yeah. growing up. I was just a wild card and everyone played. I, I can't really give credit to one person because everyone played a role in a season in my life that yeah. was very important that I needed. And I learned from all of them. Um, but I think, you know, my mom was always my, I think is where my love came from, you know, my mom and then we, me and her just had this conversation because her birthday was October 26th and we were talking, you know, and I was just telling her, thank you for everything she did. There was a period for like, like five years where my mom didn't buy herself anything, anything wow. she, because she always made sure we had clothes and shoes and, and my dad and my mom had joint custody. They were never together. And then my, I have two sisters on my mom's side and their dad wasn't in their life. And so she was, you know, basically taking care of these kids by herself with a little child support from my father. Yeah. And so uh, to, to see her sacrifice taught me how to sacrifice, taught me how to love. She always put us first. And then my dad um, was just inspiring. He was a, he was a phenomenal athlete as well. So I wanted to be just like dad. Uh, I wanted to be better than dad. I still think I was better than him, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, some people have different opinions about that. Um, and then, you know, my dad has evolved. Um, he was always inspiring me because see, they grew up soup. Like I thought I was poor, but they were dirt poor. Like they yeah. they shared socks for Christmas. You know, like I had my own socks. Yeah. You know, I got PlayStation. Um, you know, yeah. so they always made sure I had gifts under the tree. But but yeah. my dad and them shared socks. That was it. Like that's not a joke. That was a real life thing. And um and so to see him come from a family of six that was that poor and had his dad wasn't even in his life, wow. and uh, and to still find a way to be a father figure to me and 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 buy a home and yeah and and so his work ethic I think is what I took from him and diligence. Uh, so those were were two people, and then uh you know I have a pastor, Pastor Travis Hall. He's got a cool podcast called Transformational Truths with Travis, and uh. And, and when you hear one podcast, you'll see why, <laughs> why, yeah. why he made a difference. Cause I, I, this guy like speaks and tweets, you know, <laughs> like it's like everything he says is so profound. Wow. And so, uh, those, those, you know, the, the tribe and, and those individuals is who, um, I, I definitely think. Dude, what a, you have such a powerful story that uh, it, it's, I definitely want to, um, I want to do an Amazon live with you. Yeah, um, it's something I, I don't do for everyone, but I, I'd love to have you come on and, and talk about the book. And yeah, I'll be so, so let me ask you, um, in your opinion, I ask this question every time, what do you think holds and the number one answer is fear. 
So you have to do better than that. Um, the What do you think holds most people back in life from experiencing success and happiness and freedom? And uh, what do you think holds them back? I'll give you another F. Uh, and I could say many things, but this is the one that's coming to mind right now. Uh, familiarity. Familiarity. Mm. Specifically with oneself. Uh, we are so familiar with our failures, our mistakes, our insecurities, our weaknesses, that we forget that there's greatness in there, that there's gifts, there's talents, there's love. And if I had to put a root on familiarity, I'd say the root is comparison. Social media has been bad yeah. to us. Oh. <laughs> oh. To, to, to look at people's marriages and compare their highlight reel to yours, to look at people's personal life and compare their highlight reels to yours, even to look at a person's talent and compare it to yours, it discounts your talent. It's funny, I'm actually kind of spoiling it a little bit for my second TEDx talk. I'm, I'm mentioning this in my second TEDx talk. So I, this is fresh. I literally just finished writing it this morning. And I, and I said... You know, just because somebody's more talented than you, more gifted than you, like uh, can love better than you, is more kind than you, doesn't mean that you don't have love, gifts, kindness, and talents. Right. <laughs> and, and and so it's amazing how just by comparing yourself to someone else, how you start to discount you. There's always going to be somebody better, right? Yeah. That that that's like LeBron, like comparing himself to Jordan, and I think Jordan's better. And then going, well, hey, yeah. well, I'm I'm not worthy to be a basketball player. It's like, no, dude, you're good in your own right. And yeah. I think that kills people. And they look at it and there's there's nothing amazing about my ability to cook. I'm not the best cook. There's nothing amazing about my ability to speak. I'm not the best orator. Like blah, 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 blah. The comparison is killing us and it's it's producing this deep-rooted insecurity in the hearts of people. And if we could just learn to love ourselves and enjoy ourselves and be grateful for what we have, for who we are, big gap, crooked nose, big head, yeah. ashy yeah. hat, tattoos yeah. and all, the yeah. world would change. I promise you, if, 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 if everyone watching this and who will watch the replay, if everyone watching it just decided that they are going to be convinced that they matter, and they're going to be generous with what they have with the world. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about love, personality, bringing their full self into the world. I'm telling you, our world will change, right? And I, and, I, and, and, I, and I heard this quote just to bring it home. They said, to the world, and I can't remember who said it, but they said, to the world, you may just be somebody. But to somebody, you may be the world. It's truth, man. Some truth right there. So true. You know, I, I had, when I met my, my wife, we, um, I don't know, I, I was in business for a couple of years, met my wife, we decided to open an office and I was going to quit freelancing and, and we'd hire people, which we did. And, and, you know, months down the road, I had one of my employees walk in my office and say, Hey boss, there's a, uh, there's some dude, looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot. And I'm like, <laughs> well, tell him to get the hell out of here. What are you doing in my office? He goes, well, I, I was going to, but he has it blocked with a tow truck. And oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a bad day. <laughs> and, 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 you know, so especially right now, I, I have one of my, a good friend of mine runs the suicide prevention hotline for the state of Ohio. He's the head of the whole, whole deal. Mm -hmm. And, and him and I were talking and, and over the last eight, nine months, dude, the, the suicide has been, it's been, you're, you're muted by the way. Um, it's been, it's been through the, it's been through the roof and, yeah. and, you know, people are, um, are, are some people are barely hanging on. And so, you know, like the day I, I had that car repoed in front of my employees, I felt like 
And I was sober. I'd been sober for a long time. I, I, I was, I, I thought this is the worst day of my life. This is awful. It's never going to change. Yeah. You know, what, what do you say to the person? Maybe they just had their car repoed. Their, their, their lights just got shut off Their They can't, you know, can't even buy some top ramen. They can't, you know, they're at the end of their rope and they're barely hanging on. What do you say to them in this moment right now to 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 help them over that hump yeah the first thing i would say is i believe in you and i've been there uh, i know what it's like to feel hopeless and helpless uh to be surrounded by people but still feel alone it sucks it's painful uh and you feel like you're weak but it's actually just the opposite the fact that you're struggling doesn't mean that you're weak. It's actually significance that you're strong. You don't believe me? Name your favorite Rocky movie, superhero movie. Isn't the best scene where all odds are against him and they find a way, the strength, the willpower to keep pushing? Isn't it amazing to watch? You're no different, my friend. Life may be hard, but you're tougher. That's what I would say. That's awesome, dude. Daryl Stinson, my new brother from another mother. From another mother. Come on, man. <laughs> Thank you, dude. I, I really appreciate you um, coming on, being so open and transparent and sharing your story, your love, your heart. Yeah. Dude, you're the real deal, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for everyone who gave me the gift of your time and tuned in to our humor, our, our love, our, our laughter and our tears today. Uh, pray and hope that you guys take something away or took something away or laughed or something. And um, we ask that you share it with um, everyone, you know, because uh, that's how we change our world collectively is, is one message. One thing could break somebody uh, out of a train of thought that's destructive or could introduce a new thought that can help move their life forward. So we asked for that. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a cliffhanger uh, to tease you with, Mr. Ken, because I actually have another song that I wrote for recovering addicts because I read the statistics of those that actually maintain long-term sobriety. And I got angry and I said, I don't believe that that's going to stay that way. I believe we can defy the stats. And so I wrote a song called defy the statistics and it's a complete opposite feel the, the last one's like light and 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 you know jingly this yeah. one's like tough and rough and rugged uh-oh so next time you can play that one it's not out yet <laughs> it's out oh it's, it's out. out it's out everywhere yeah <laughs> is it on your youtube channel uh i don't know if that one is that one's actually for sale because we licensed the the music um oh. so it's like itunes and spotify you can listen for free probably and it's everywhere where music is so yeah well see i can't play if it's copyrighted i can't play it on the show because like they shut it down do they really i own, oh, yeah. I own the copyright <laughs> I, I get it man i know but they like they they just hear the dtmf tones the yeah. the the and they yeah. shut it down it's crazy we'll go listen to but, it it's yeah. amazing and the best thing about it best thing about it right so my rap is like okay but the best thing about it is the guy that sings the chorus uh he lost his mom uh to suicide in a very tragic um incident and terrible upbringing lots of pain kicked out of school and and this kid has a musical gift so when you go listen to this kid sing i, I mean you're like the next justin Bieber. like he sounds amazing wow. and and to be able to afford him that experience as a person who would never have had access to a studio to record professional music is like amazing for me like so it's it's called defy the statistics. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so he sings this chorus. It says, do you know what they say that we can't make it this way? They told us that we'll never make it, but they don't know the God we serve. And then I say, I came out the womb defying stats. They was like, I don't know about that. I came out the streets defying stats. They was like, ah, don't know about that. Then we say, don't know about that. 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 We still defiance stats. Hey, don't know about that. 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 We still defiance stats. I said, they labeled me a statistic. I think they missed it. I was selling drugs just to make a living. 
I was dealt a bad hand, but I still ripped it. I turned a couple of ounces into a whole business. You couldn't tell your boy nothing. I was so driven. I was trying to make it to the league, headed straight to prison. Ain't it crazy what we go through to get what we want by creating a life we don't? It's stupid. And so you got to go listen to the rest of the song. It's pretty amazing. So thanks for wow. having me, y'all. We're going to end with a bang. Love yeah. you. We're done now, guys. Log off. Go eat lunch hey, or breakfast, wherever you're watching. <laughs> this was freaking amazing, dude. I, I I appreciate you. I I hang. Don't don't hang up on me. Hang tight for a minute. I'm gonna end this. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this. Thank you to everyone who's watched. If you haven't shared this out yet, I will shame you publicly if you don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing. I, I won't do that. But share it out, man. Everybody needs to hear this story. Daryl, you rock, man. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank Appreciate you. My pleasure. you. All right. You guys have a blessed day.